Have you ever considered what makes a brand successful? How one brand supersedes another in the hospitality landscape? Well, it's never a coincidence. It's always a product of well-thought-out branding strategy that captures the essence of your story. That's why Principal Design is making brands happen in cafes, restaurants, bars, and venues by crafting experiences that gives customers a reason to choose you. They are raising the standard of our industry and helping venues realize that strong brand presence is the key that unlocks all the good stuff like increased full traffic, higher engagement, and overall happy customers. Branding ultimately becomes the face that engages your audience, delights them at every moment of their dining experience, and eventually earns their loyalty. Because you're part of the Poe community, we'd love to help you kickstart your brand journey. For a limited time only, Principal Design is offering free strategy sessions for our listeners. So jump over to the bio in the podcast description and book your time slot. Welcome to another Principal of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to this episode. Principal of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, with today's show, today we talk to a founder who is literally taking the piss out of drinking, that is. With a range of crafted quality cocktails that taste and feel like the real deal without the alcohol, Yes You Can Drinks is quickly becoming a household name with stockers all over the country. Join us from the brand Yes You Can Drinks, the fastest growing Australian alcohol-free drinks company, is the founder and CEO, Tyler Martin. Hey Tyler, how are you? Oh yeah, good, 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 good to be here. Um, great to have you on, my friend. I know we have talked, um, I feel like it's been, you know, a couple of, almost a couple of years now, like since, you know, when you were almost pre-launching this product um, in market. So it's good to finally have you on the show and have a chat um, about this great range that you've got. Now, let's start out with talking about, you know, how you came to be the founder of this amazing brand and a little bit about the inspiration of bringing uh, Yes You Can into the market. Yeah, so um, as someone with no food and beverage experience, it was um, definitely jumping in the deep end, and and no hospitality contacts. No, yeah, it was it was definitely a blank canvas. Um, but the story is basically a couple of years ago, my partner was pregnant with our first, and she was craving a spritz. Um, and then it kind of got on our radar that there was this sort of non-alcoholic need. Um, and Heaps Normal just launched in the beer space and we kind of thought there was nothing that was speaking to us um, at the time. Uh, previously, I played um, some some high-level sport and had probably overindulged in drinking when I probably couldn't have been or shouldn't have been. And then there were times when I was, you know, pre- pretending to drink when I was out with friends but but wasn't. And I thought, well, there's there's a couple of need or use cases for me right there with my partner at the t- my pregnant partner who was pregnant at the time mm-hmm. and also my sporting um, experiences. Uh, so I thought, how hard could it be? Um, and the answer is 10 times harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, 
But that was the idea. I remember clearly we were sitting at lunch. She was craving a spritz. Everyone else was having a real Aperol and she ordered a San Pellegrino. And, you know, while that has its place, she was craving um, a more mature uh, drink that was, you know, accepted and, and even, I guess, fun to be drinking and fun to have in hand. So that was the sort of beginning of it all. And there's only been hurdles and um, successes and failures and everything else in between um, since then. Yeah. And how hard was it sort of getting a product out there from scratch with no hospitality connections? Sort of where did you where did you start from? Yeah, so it was really hard. Like it was a massive it's been definitely the steepest learning curve in my my life thus far. Um, basically what I did is I reached out to a, a friend, an old friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to in like ten years. Um, but I knew she was in uh, the cocktail and, and mixology trade and I said hey this is my idea can you just make give me the recipe for like your top 10 sellers um just give me the recipe the alcoholic version uh then we basically made that alcoholic version we changed it um uh, over and over again because we wanted to have ours in a can and we wanted to be just as drinkable out of a can as it was glammed up so some of the actual alcoholic versions were quite strong without the ice and garnish um so we dialed it back a little bit, made some made some changes. We're really happy with the alcoholic versions. And then we engaged a, a flavor house um, or and a bunch of food technologists. Again, had no idea that that was even a thing before, <laughs> before this. Um, and, and said, all right, guys, this is what we want it to finish, but we don't want the alcohol. We want it all natural. We want it preservative-free. We want it as low sugar as possible. Um, and... Uh, like go go for it, guys. Um, and then that was about it. I thought, how hard could that be? And you know, evidently, it was very hard. Um, and around about nine months from that day to, um, to a final final approval on on flavors, and we the direction changed, you know, time and time again. But but we kind of got there, and um, yeah, we're really happy with where we landed. And and now the process is so much faster that I know what I'm doing. Yes. Um, but before it was, yeah, it was super long. Yeah. <laughs> How how did you break it down from going to you know those ten those ten recipes which you're given by um, that fantastic mixologist and then get down to the range that you currently have now? Like, did you did you try all those ten and then see what what was going to fit better and what was going to work better in the marketplace? Yeah, there was a little bit of that. There was a decent amount of research that we went into as well, and we kind of thought, well, what flavors are people looking for as an alternative? And what can we achieve? And what type of drinker do we want to be appealing to? My, my vision at the very start was we launched with a dark and stormy a spritz in the G&T. Mm -hmm. And my theory was with those three drinks, there's a drink for everyone. It might not be every drink for everyone, but at least you are a non-alcoholic drinks company versus just launching a G&T, which off the bat you might already lose some, some potential um, customers because mm -hmm. they might not like a G&T. Um, so that was my th theory at the start. It was, okay, we need three drinks that cater for everyone. We want everyone to like all of our drinks, but the reality is depending on what the base drink you like will sort of dictate how, how um, you know, where you land amongst our original range and, and we've extended since then. Mm -hmm. So that was there was a bit of a combination of what can we make, how can we make it um, as top quality and crafted and natural and preservative-free as we can and what do we think people are going to drink. And how did, why were all those things, and you're talking about the health aspect, you know, of the product. And I know in this, in this sort of market of, of non-alc, especially like there are a lot of brands which will um, have to pump things up with other preservatives or other sugars and that kind of stuff in order to 
to make the product really have a good flavor profile. Like, was it your, you know, um, former career as an Olympian and a high-level athlete, was that the reason why you sort of pushed onto the, the health aspects a bit more? Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, and to be honest, my partner, um, Sophie, her fiance, Sophie, who um, she was pushing that quite heavily as a, herself as well. She was saying, hey, if I'm not drinking, it doesn't need to be a, a health drink, mm. but it needs to be a bit better for me. Um, and, you know, that with my experience in sport as well, wanting to be um, a little bit healthier. And then just, again, looking at the general trends about people cutting sugar, being more aware about what they're putting in our bodies. Um, we wanted to be definitely aligned with, with that sort of health and all natural side of things. And, um, you know, we still drink alcohol. I'll put that out there. Like we still drink and we're, we're not sober by any means. Mm. Um, definitely a lot more sober than I once was. <laughs> but um, the reality is that when we don't, when, yeah, when we're wanting to cut back, we don't want to replace it with like bad, bad ingredients, bad products. So that was kind of the, the premise there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So how many how many products are currently in the range and how do you go about making uh, new variations of the product um, now you're a bit more established? Yeah, so we've got four core products. So we've added a yuzu sake to the to the mix, which has been probably our most popular one. We added that just before summer hmm. uh, started. Um, by the time this launches, so in a day from when we record this, but by the time this actually launches, um, we'll have released a Pride Peach Bellini um, where 10% of all proceeds go to Acon, which is a... Uh, LGBTQ plus community, uh, sorry, charity, doing amazing things for, for, for that community and beyond. So amazing. that is, we hope that becomes a staple in our range. I, I would love to have that can as a core range. Mm. Um, it's rainbow, it's bright, and the flavor's really good. And it's like a feel-good, good cause piece as well, which I think is really important. Um, we have done three seasonals. We did a um, Davidson Plum Paloma. We did a Lemon Myrtle Sour. Um, and we did a... Kwandong Peach Bellini previously. Um, we'll look to re- bring them back in and we've got about eight more products that are pretty much ready to go, but we just need to work out what our go-to-market strategy is for them and um, and make sure that they are good enough to launch. We definitely don't want to be a brand that just, you know, gets anything to market and floods the market with subpar products. And I think that's a big danger in the non-ALK space um, that the integrity of the product needs to be preserved. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to fall under, it, like everyone will get tainted with the same brush and, and the quality will be a constant challenge and concern. Mm. How do you feel, Tyler, like the, the non-ARC space has actually changed since you guys have launched, like in a commercial standpoint? Like is it, uh, obviously it's a lot more competitive now, um, I'd imagine, than when you started out. Like how does that change how you think about the brand and how you want to evolve it? Yeah, it has become um, super well, much more aware on people and producers' minds. Um, I think, I think, and I'm obviously biased towards my thoughts here, but I think that the brands that will succeed are the ones who are focusing on the category and not just adding a product because it seems to be the right thing to do. Mm. So there's quite a few beverage brands that specialise in, well, a, their, their field and then chuck a non-alk in just because it's the right thing to do right now. Some will do really well. I think the most most of it will come from the dedicated non-alk producers because that's their focus. Um, but I, I, I think the like where non-alk, particularly RTD, uh, I think needs to needs to stay is in the craft and the quality of it. So there are some awesome independent brands 
doing great things. And then there's some more grocery style plays um, who are, uh, you know, focusing on probably more of a, a, the commercial side of it and, and, and mass distribution, which, um, which is a different approach. But I think like for us, for example, we're going to keep focusing on new and fun flavors, um, really growing our brand uh, and having a really strong brand and messaging behind the brand. And, you know, ideally we're sold everywhere in the world, but we, we want to have that with a great brand and a great product. Mm. How, how do you get, um, I'm really interested, especially with independent brands, especially in the beverage space where it is so competitive and now we're seeing so much more competition and not out the last couple of years. Um, how do you actually get a new product out to market and get it in people's hands and get them knowing about it when you don't, you wouldn't have the, um, the budgets on marketing that, you know, the big players, uh, the big players do like, it must be very tactical. I'd imagine in how you try to get a new product out. Yeah, it is. And it's definitely like my biggest learning. I was like, okay, cool. We'll bring this product to market or we'll get it ready. And then it t- looks great and it tastes great. And there's an opportunity. And then, I spent all my time and effort on that and the brand and the product that I was like, oh, shit, we don't have a go-to-market strategy. This is like when we launched it over a year ago. And we pushed hard online. Online is great because we can have direct conversations with our customers. Um, We then use a number of distributors, some of which we still use, some of which we don't use. I've like, I could write a book on what not to do in that space as well. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and, And now... Like we're only just over a year old. Um, we've only really been in physical markets for like less than that. We've just brought on um, a, a an experienced FMCG beverage uh, partner into the business who actually knows how range reviews work and how centralised buying works and all these kind of things that I've learnt but I had no idea about. Mm. Um, and we're being much more deliberate now. Um, we have had success, some successes with some stunts that we've done. We, for example, we did a, um, uh, an influencer event mid last year where we tricked everyone in, into thinking they were having real alcoholic cocktails. Um, Interesting. And it was a launch party for this, this fake cocktail event uh, company and, and we had like a reveal. Um, and just some guerrilla marketing bits and pieces, which is kind of in line with our brand. Um, that's been, been quite good. And, you know, from here, we, we're looking to, to get reps on the road and really like push push what we know is a great product and brand but we've we, i mean we've we've made pl- i've made plenty of mistakes in distribution and wholesalers and the whole i mean like i said i could write it it's a whole other podcast <laughs> i do want to touch on it though i'm i'm really curious as someone who's coming in um with a little bit of knowledge but but not as much knowledge as someone who's done it before even though it's obviously um, it would have been more expensive, and you've obviously made more um, had more challenges along the way from coming outside, do you think it's a really good way to build a business because you're coming in with completely fresh eyes and therefore new ways of potentially doing something, which is a bit maybe a bit stale for the industry? Yeah, I think I think um, there's definitely like it's it's um, you know that point definitely has has merit. I think. Um, that the freshness and, and my approach has been awesome in some parts and like doing things that a lot of brands aren't doing or thinking about. But at the same time, um, my naivety is uh, an inexperience, let's say, to be kind to myself, um, uh, has been, you know, fraught with other challenges. So I think 
it's hard to know. A good mix would have been ideal, and that's what we're working towards now with getting Tom on board, um, who's, who's, who's been on board for a number of months now. Um, he's very much a commercial director type, um, understands the, the buying cycles, um, and I'm kind of like a, a bit of a rogue free spirit, like, hey, let's do this, let's do this, um, some of which is great and some of which is um, probably not commercially viable. So I think that mix is, is probably ideal. Yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges you've faced um, in the beverage industry now you've, you know, come into it and how have you overcome them? And then how do you see the future of this industry evolving over the next couple of years? Obviously, you've said, you know, you've had, had this product in market for just under a year at the moment. Um, you've seen it evolve since you started. Like, what are you kind of thinking for the market as well, how it's going to grow? So, yeah, I think the market... Um, the market's going to, there's a lot going to be a lot of testing and learning and fail and failing, I suppose, across the board in this category. People still don't know what the, the final consumer, no one knows what the consumer will end up wanting. Mm. Um, we've made a few different bets internally and we, we're going to probably look to have our core range, but have some more fun and funky options as well. Um, we think there's only so many non-alc GNTs that can survive long term. Um, I don't think you need more than a couple, to be honest, across the board. Mm. So we're going into some fun and, and, and funky flavors, I suppose. Um, we'll, we'll look at different functionality as well. Um, if it does the drinker want to feel, you know, relaxed, excited, whatever it may be, instead of an alcohol, instead of, you know, tipsy, when they're in drinking in a, in a non-alcoholic drinking experience, mm. that's what we're looking at as well. Um, so there's going to be a lot of change, I think, over the next couple of years. And while we have non-alcoholic GNT right now, which is actually, you know, a really popular flavor of ours. We, we won't, we probably won't do another gin based option as an example. Sure. We think we want to be a little bit more boundary pushing mm. um, in our flavors and, and function as we move forward and, and really target that sort of Gen Z young millennial drinker. Yep. Um, I'm super curious about, you said before about the marketing play, you did the gorilla marketing play with people thinking that they were having cocktails, but they weren't having alcoholic cocktails. Because they yeah. were primed to think they were having alcohol, yeah. what insights came out of that event? Did people start to act <laughs> like they were having alcohol even though they weren't? Yeah, so there was a little, like we didn't want it to go on for hours and hours because I think at some point people would say, okay, I'm not drunk, or they would really embarrass themselves and pretend they are drunk. <laughs> yes. um, so both of which were like, Oh, one would have been funny, but maybe we, we wouldn't have been forgiven so easily. Um, but I think it was interesting to see people who we got about 20 or 30 in the room and no, some people knew each other, but a lot didn't, but there just seemed to be an ease of that drink, like ease of communication. So I think that's one great thing that alcohol actually does is that, or that drinking experience does is that ritual of relaxing or settling into something, feeling like, like taking that sort of, um, that barrier up, that internal human barrier um and that we we found that was happening um and people were connecting so it's like a ambulance or That's okay. know, something just, <laughs> just <laughs> right. um uh so we found people taking yeah letting their guard down a little bit um and getting just just relaxing relaxing into it so that was um that was a really really pleasant um observation yeah it's an interesting insight right like it's it's actually for some people it's the ritual of drinking rather than the actual beverage that's in someone's hand, right? And that's where I think 
products as good as yours can like play a really important part in the space where people don't want to drink um, four nights a week or, or whatever they're drinking. Mm. They can change it up and still have that ritual in their head that they're actually drinking something mm. that's really high quality, really good tasting, kind of tastes like there's um, booze in it, but there's not, um, and still have mm. that, I suppose, a relief in a way that that ritual yeah. for them, you know what I mean? I think that's where it can play a really good role. Yeah, and we like 90 plus percent of our customers drink alcohol. So, mm. very like we only a very small percentage don't drink completely. Um, and the reality is, even the biggest alcohol consumers don't drink 90% of the time. Yes. So, what are they drinking in that time, you know, or 90, 98% of the time? Mm. So, um, everyone's a non drinker in that by that definition. Yes. Um, and it's just how we, how we drink. So, um, yeah, I think our drinks play a role, whether it's you don't drink in the week, whether you go one for one on a weekend, whether you go dry for a month or, you know, really whatever situation you kind of feel that you need. And people are sort of stepping into that that use case, personal use or need state um, just by their own stage in life. Mm, for sure. Um, mate, my final question to you is like what what's the plan for the brand now that you've nearly hit that one-year mark? Um, you've obviously developed the range really, really well in that time. Like credit to you. Like, what's the plan for the future with the brand? So this hopefully will be a really big year for us. Um, we, I've made like I like a touch on a hundred times, plenty of mistakes, and we've had some really good successes, for all things considered. Um, but this year, we'd like to bring a lot more people on board. We get some major ranging results. We'd like to grow internationally beyond New Zealand, which we're in now, nice. um, and having some really promising conversations over around that as well. Um, and that's underpinned by a couple of good deals that we've hopefully lining up and obviously raising some money as well. We've been bootstrapped till now. We've, we've sort of, um, it's all been our own funds getting us to where we are, which is something we're really proud of and also is a little bit limiting at a certain point in time. So we're in the process now of having some um having some good conversations around what that looks like and what those funds will be used. And um, by that that once we close that, get more people on board, scale it up and, and um, I guess throw long, so to speak. <laughs> Love it. Love it, mate. Um, mate, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's really been exciting to see the journey, the brand and, and see where you've come in at. And I'm, uh, I feel really fortunate that I've had a conversation with you, you know, early on when you started this, um, and I'll always remember that as you guys get bigger and, and think back that I knew Tyler before he actually launched this product. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know if it would ever be like that, but I appreciate it. I remember reaching out cold and saying, hey, I'm in Melbourne. We've just done our first run. Do you want some obligation-free drinks? Because um, I'd come across to you and obviously your role in the hospitality world. So um, I appreciate you got back to me and tried the drinks. And in, in some ways, we're still, in many ways, we're still super early. So this is still a conversation at the very start. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can go from here. Tyler, what's the best way that people can find out more about Yes You Can and uh, try it for themselves um, in a retail form? Updated weekly, um, hopefully more regularly. Uh, you can also buy online. We've also got, you know, bits and pieces of, of other different um uh, bundles online but yeah just the website will we'll give everyone a good good information happy days um, as always linked up in the show notes of this podcast so you can find out where yes you can is very close to you definitely do try it it's an awesome range tyler martin thanks so much for your time thank you
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. I definitely know I did. Please try this product. Give Tyler a shout. He's done a lot of great work and it's a really great product in the market. Please also comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. As always, we're making this content with the industry in mind. So we really appreciate you sharing it along. Usually I say, can you share it with one person? Maybe can you share it with two this time? We'd really appreciate it. And if you don't know, I suppose, Sash, my co-founder, has Principal Design, one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, graphic design, you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting and 42 Days for Hospitality Advisory and Training Systems, also delving into recruitment in 2023. You can find us at openpantryconsulting.com. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode and until next time, stay well, everyone. Sweet. Thanks, Tyler. All righty. Easy. No, thanks. Have you ever considered what makes a brand successful? How one brand supersedes another in the hospitality landscape? Well, it's never a coincidence. It's always a product of well-thought-out branding strategy that captures the essence of your story. That's why Principal Design is making brands happen in cafes, restaurants, bars, and venues by crafting experiences that gives customers a reason to choose you. They are raising the standard of our industry and helping venues realize that strong brand presence is the key that unlocks all the good stuff like increased foot traffic, higher engagement, and overall happy customers. Branding ultimately becomes the face that engages your audience, delights them at every moment of their dining experience, and eventually earns their loyalty. Because you're part of the Poe community, we'd love to help you kickstart your brand journey. For a limited time only, Principal Design is offering free strategy sessions for our listeners. So jump over to the bio in the podcast description and book your time slot.